Welcome back to the Parenting Puzzle. Thanks for joining me, guys. My name is Grace Kodama, and we are continuing with our Managing Meltdown series, and we're reviewing some traps and takeaways from the mellow process. Now, I just want to highlight before we even go further that the reason why we're going through this mellow process is that we're respecting how our brains work. And if we're respecting how our brains function and what happens during Jenga, then we realize as parents that oftentimes our way of problem solving through a meltdown is backwards. We're trying to calm down through reasoning versus recognizing that our brains need to regulate and relate before we can reason. So let's just really remember that we want to start adjusting the way that we're coming at these meltdowns from the exact opposite of what we're doing. So instead of going for reasoning first, this is why you need to do this, we're starting with the let's calm down first so that we can get to why in a much more productive way. So let's review. Mellow stands for M, my child is mad or whatever large emotion it is. I first need to ease up regulate myself. I then need to help my child link their feelings and words by validating and reflecting on my child's perspective. Then I help my child to let it go and we regulate through expressing that emotion. Now they're ready to open up and to discuss what they needed, how they felt in that moment. And finally, we can go to what now or what next, which is talking about what happened, any consequences or correction that needs to happen. So that's our mellow process. Let's start with some traps that we might fall into as parents. And I'm going to go through four common ones that I often run into. So trap number one is when parents get sucked into their own child's feeling or dysregulation. You don't regulate yourself first as a parent, and then you end up both mutually dysregulating. And this happened in the example that I gave when my son gave me that first expression of anger about his pants and kicked them across the floor. I reacted. I kind of started mouthing back at him like, what is the matter? Why are you being so selfish? You just need to do what I tell you. Those kinds of things. Clearly, I allowed his frustration to then create frustration in me and to cause me to react rather than taking a breath. So trap number one. Trap number two is when we start telling our kids, you need to calm down or what's the big deal? I hear this one a lot and I probably do this one a lot, Um, but we think that we're regulating and containing the situation with this statement, but in actuality, we're doing the opposite. When we look back to our brain triangle and think about what happens when Jenga happens, is that even possible in their brain right now to comprehend this isn't a big deal and you need to calm down? And how would you feel if somebody said that to you? And I always ask parents to picture, imagine almost getting into a car accident on the way to work. Somebody cuts you off and you have to slam on your brakes and it's pretty terrifying. And you're a little hypervigilant, you're a little jittery, you come into work and you see a coworker and you tell them, oh my gosh, I almost died. Like somebody just ran in front of me and they were driving crazy and you know, I was, it was so scary. And imagine if that coworker looked at you and said, that's not a big deal. You need to calm down. How would you feel? I'm just going to leave it at that. How would you feel when that happens? And and why do we do this to our kids? Um, So that's trap number two. Now, trap number three is when we as parents fall into only focusing on our feelings. And this happens a lot when I talk with parents. Now, feelings are important. Don't get me wrong. I'm a therapist. I really do believe in them. 
But if it doesn't lead to some kind of change or learning, then what is it good for at that moment? You know, when we fall into this trap, often I hear from kids one of two things. One, that they start saying that their feelings are too much or too big or too hard to handle, and they succumb to this I can't or helplessness philosophy, and now they really feel out of control and and are really on the opposite end of feeling emotionally regulated. Or two, I hear a lot of justification for then poor action. So, well, it's not my fault because that's how I feel and you can't tell me how I feel, which is true. Yes, I I can't tell you how you feel. How you feel is how you feel. But feeling a certain way doesn't justify treating another person poorly. And this is what we're trying to teach our kids with emotional regulation, right? That just because you feel something doesn't mean you're allowed to behave a certain way. So that's trap number three. Trap number four is when we as parents try to fix it for our kids rather than allowing the process to unfold and your child to come to his or her own conclusion or learning. Um, And this is when we start telling instead of teaching. Um, And telling doesn't support learning emotional regulation. And emotional regulation, it can't be told. It's got to be practiced. It's a skill and it's we just can't assume that it's an automatic trait that happens on its own. I mean, I hear this a lot from parents when they are telling their kids why they should be grateful for all the things that their parents do for them. And I get a lot of like eye rolls from kids or yes, I've heard this and parents are really frustrated. Like, why can't you just be grateful? And it's because we're telling them, look how much I do for you. Instead of saying, you know, there's lots of different ways that I care about you. Can you tell me three things that I do on a daily basis that show you that I care about you? So teaching kids, not telling them. Those are the four common traps that I tend to see. Let's just start to be aware of them so that we can recognize them when they're happening and maybe help ourselves out of them. So let's get to the takeaways in this mellow process. And I have six of them for you. I know, I'm sorry. I'm a little long-winded today. (laughs) So takeaway number one, this mellow process can only occur within the understanding of safety between the child and adult. And this is pretty common sense now that we've been talking for a long time, right? That if there is no safety and security, a child can't get regulated. And so we, we can't move anywhere if there's not any sense of safety. So that's takeaway number one. The way that I kind of do this as a parent myself is when my child is going through a tantrum, I kind of say really quietly to them over and over, mommy is here to help you and not hurt you. And it's because I want them to realize that I am here to join with you and I'm not a threat to you. So that's the way that I do it. Takeaway number two is that the more we do this as parents for our children, the better that they can do it for themselves later on. Co-regulation builds self-regulation. So just thinking about how any skill that we want a child to develop, we've got to first kind of walk them through to help them master it so that they can use it readily and easily later on in life, okay? Takeaway number three is about our ability or inability to ease up. And I recognize that most times it's really hard to see your child in pain or upset. Oftentimes we as parents kind of give in or let things slide for a number of different reasons. 
but most reasons are based on our own difficulty seeing their pain, whether it's because of our own stuff that's getting in our way or it's because we're exhausted ourselves and we don't have the capacity to hold the line. Um, and I've heard, uh, you know, several things over the years from, you know, I don't, I just want my child to love me. And if they're mad at me, they're going to hate me, right? Or, or I remember how much I was angry at my parents for not listening to me, you know, or for telling me no when I was younger. And I never forgave them for that. Or I can't stand when they're hurt. Or I just need to fix it for them. So just whatever our reasons are, whatever our past memories of being parented are, I want us to start recognizing and separating what's our stuff, our triggers, our fears, our memories from the situation in front of us so that we can learn to respond rather than just react. I'm going to say that again, so that we can learn to respond rather than react. So that's takeaway number three. Takeaway number four is about the L for let it go. Here's what I want you to take away about the let it go process. The more that you can support a child doing let it go when they're young, the less they'll need to let it go as they get older. And this is because as we get older, our cortex develops and it's that top part of our brain triangle. And in it is housed our logic and our problem solving. And as our cortex develops, our logic and our problem solving helps us to modulate our brainstem and our diencephalon. And basically that means that it helps keep the reactive part of our brain in check. And so as we get older, hopefully our, our cortex grows to then keep our reactive part in check, which is again goes back to responding versus reacting. But don't assume that chronological age will equal capability. So this is definitely a skill that needs to be practiced and learned rather than just automatically is there. So as we help them practice let it go when they're younger, it builds that ability for the cortex to be able to respond and to keep that brainstem in check instead of shooting us all the way to this fear place every time where then we're in survival mode, okay? And then the final thing I want you to take away about the let it go process is that it's not just for the little ones. I know that my example was my own six-year-old who is in the midst of having meltdowns and it's kind of, it's developmentally, it's appropriate for him. But this is a process that I do with people of all ages. So just this week, I'll tell you, I spent some time with several of my teen patients um, with a foam bat and a pillow and we express everything from sadness to anger to guilt to frustration to disappointment appointment to grief and then on the flip side I also worked with a little three-year-old this week who is super anxious and has these fears of really evil things and so we spent time taking some toy figurines that I have of villains and throwing them at a wall to help her move through her anxiety and figure out how to be brave so this is a process that works across all ages not just for the little ones okay So takeaway number five is about setting the stage for future behavior. I get this a lot, this question about, well, you're teaching my kid to shout into a pillow or to hit a pillow or stamp his feet or whatever, and you're just teaching him to be more aggressive and more violent later on. And that's actually not the truth. That's the opposite. So by allowing a tantrum to occur or having your child express an emotion strongly, that does not equal encouraging explosive behavior. Actually, a child who is allowed to feel their feeling fully and move through that emotion will tend to not have as many explosive feelings in the future. 
And it's because they've internalized this process of understanding and regulating their emotions in a healthy way. And so remember that the end of the mellow process is about what next. You know, we don't just stay in the mad part and leave it. We get to talking about our feelings, how they're connected, and we get to talking about what next, the consequences, the understanding about what happened and making a plan for next time. You know, we'll talk in the next episode about questions parents have when it seems that their child is getting more emotional rather than less, even though they follow this process. Then I'll kind of talk you through why that can seem like it's happening sometimes. I'll also talk about garbage can moments, which sounds really intriguing, right? So stay tuned for that. (laughs) But I want to bring us back to this takeaway about setting the stage for future behavior with an example of my own. So like I told you, my son is six. This year, he transitioned into kindergarten. And every year, right around the beginning of school, I get a lot of influx of kindergartners coming into my practice who are transitioning into kindergarten and are having a really hard time. So lots of meltdowns, lots of crying, lots of refusing to go to school, things like that. And for my own son, it was a lot of tantrums at home at the end of the day and lots of school refusal kind of crying didn't want to get into school and in the beginning it was a lot of big outbursts and a lot of uncontrollable behavior it felt like and needing a lot a lot of support and getting through there was a lot of let it go but as we moved through the weeks his tantrums became less frequent less intense they didn't last as long either until i really started to see him emerge back into this sweet silly happy kid that I'm raising. You know, every time he has a break from school and he goes back, he tends to regress just a little bit, but it's never quite as bad. It's never lasts as long and it's definitely less intense and he gets back to this better place much quicker. And it's because we've set the stage for future behavior and he's internalized the process of what he needs to do and he's recognizing it better so that he can get through the process easier. So that's takeaway number five. The final takeaway that I want you guys to know is about our role as parents or caring adults in the life of a child. And takeaway number six is this, that by following this mellow process, that you as a parent or caregiver have managed to maintain your limit, your expectation, your rule, whatever it is, while supporting the emotional health and well-being of your child. And I think this is really important because this process is not about stripping your power away or putting you and your child on a level playing field. But it is about demonstrating your ability as a parent to guide and teach your child the skills that they'll need for later on in life. And it is about developing a well-wired brain. So we're going to come back full circle to what Dr. Perry talked about with Oprah, that in order to develop a well-wired brain, we need nurturing, secure, stable relationships that are consistent. And that will help buffer us from the hardships of life. Okay, so those are the takeaways. I'm going to leave you guys with A couple final encouragements about managing meltdowns until we talk next time. And here they are. Number one, this is not an easy process. The first times will be time consuming. So ease up on yourself and remind yourself that you are capable of walking them through this. Give yourself a little break. Give yourself a little grace. Ha ha. Um, (laughs) number two is that this takes self-control and support on your part and you can't take care of your child this way if you're not taking care of yourself so I'm talking to all of you guys who are sleep deprived or who are trying to balance school and work at the same time and don't have a lot of extra help who are commuting three hours just to put food on the table for your kids 
I hear you. I know that you're doing your best and your best is good enough. Okay. Don't expect yourself to be super mom or super dad or super grandpa. Nobody could be. Just do your best. And lastly, I came up with this mantra last night for myself just as encouragement. And I hope that it resonates with you. It was to help me focus on what is my ultimate goal of how I parent and also what is my baseline message that I want to give you guys through this podcast. And it's this. So as a parent, I am calm. I am capable. I am compassionate. I am consistent. So I'm going to send this right back out to you guys and say, as a parent, that you are calm, you are capable, you are compassionate, and you are consistent. And we are all in this parenting puzzle together, and we're going to figure it out. Stay tuned. Next week, we're going to be going over some frequently asked questions and some tips I have for managing meltdowns that bring this subject not to a full close, but kind of wrap it up all together for us. So stay tuned and hang in there. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We love questions. Email us at parentingpuzzlepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much.